Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another show with Tamara Gondor. That is me. But what I love about the show is it's actually not about me. It's about these incredible everyday innovators that we have on. And we have everybody from people who are senior leaderships in large corporations to startups to stay-at-home parents to entrepreneurs to hairstylists. Like it's, it's really incredible. And today is no exception. So I'm very excited for today. So Michelle, welcome. Tell the world a little bit about who you are and the world that you're in. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm Michelle Jeske, and my title is City Librarian. And what that really means is that I'm the executive director of the Denver Public Library, which is um, a very old institution here in Denver. We're over 130 years old, um, and we have a vision of helping build a strong community where everybody thrives. We actually have 26 locations in every corner of the city right now, and I'm really excited to say that we will be opening our 27th library coming up here soon in the River North neighborhood here in Denver. Oh, that's exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. That is a lot. I had no idea there were that many. That's a lot of libraries. Wow. Yeah, and we, um, we actually have bond funding to add two more in the next few years, so we are growing as the city is growing. So let me ask you a question about that. Now, as I was telling you offline, um, I was excited when kind of your name came across my desk because I love libraries. I have two young boys. Well, they're teenagers now, but in my head, they're still young. And we have spent a lot of time at libraries. We love them. They're not just a place for us anyway to check out books, but they go and they explore and they learn and they discover. I'm just curious when you think about libraries, how you see their role in the community. Um, And I'm partially asking this because I I'm guessing that that role has also really changed drastically in the last five, 10 years, not just because of COVID, but just because of how we live. Yeah, I think um, that's a great question. And it totally relates to sort of the theme of of your podcast around innovation. Libraries have really changed a lot over the century plus, not just the last 10 years. Um, But at the core, we're also really the same. We've always been about community and we've always been about democracy and education. Um, The way we deliver on those things is different now. Our our mission is to create welcoming spaces where all are free to explore and connect. And if you think about it, that used to be something we delivered primarily through books. And we still do that. It's still the, the very core of our business. And we have so many other ways that we can help people explore and connect now. We can do that online through virtual programs or ebooks. We can do it by helping people connect at home, um, checking out a Wi Fi hotspot or a laptop for people to use. Those are just a couple of examples of how our business has really changed to meet the, the new needs of the community at the same time that we have new, um, just because of modern technology and the cool world we live in today, we have just different different ways of delivering um, on the same mission. You know, Michelle, you said two things that I, ju- I just want to highlight for the our kind of global community here that I think are really important lessons. One is you said that 
kind of what you're about hasn't changed, but how you deliver it is where kind of the innovation is happening. And I think that's a great reminder to a lot of us who sometimes I think it feels like innovation has to be like wipe the floor clean and start from scratch. And that sometimes is needed, but oftentimes I think it's what you said. And, and I had a client in a credit union once who said to me, what we do isn't irrelevant, but how we do it is becoming irrelevant. And I thought that was really powerful. And you just, you kind of, I think, highlighted that way. We were talking about a different delivery method, so to speak, but the core being kind of the same. Um, and the other thing you said that I thought was just a great reminder for all of us is evolving with the needs of the people that you serve. And I'm just curious, when you think about that, and you look into the future, actually, in particular, how do you think those needs are going to kind of keep changing and evolving? Well, the, we're seeing Denver change right before our eyes, really, right? Not just because of the pandemic, but because of the cost of living. Um, neighborhoods are changing really rapidly. And so what we've done is devise sort of a strategic roadmap and a framework that um, we think meets the global needs of our community. And then we allow our branch libraries to flex within that um, so that they're specifically serving the needs of the people living in their community at that time. And we do that in a number of ways. I mean, one is by making sure we have a diverse staff with um, lots of different languages spoken. Um, We may focus our programming on, you know, serving immigrants and refugees in one location and on young children that maybe are not being supervised by their parents at the library in another location. And we know where the predominance of older adults live in the city. And so we know where to deliver that information. So we use a lot of data to help us um, figure things like that out. And I think you'll just continue to see us do that. Um, And one of the cool things that came out of our response to the pandemic is the ability um, to do so much more online. And I think you'll continue to see a lot of that happen. It's not gonna replace our 27 spaces though. Those hubs in those communities are very much needed. And I think coming out of the pandemic, people, especially when they start to feel a little bit safer, um, are gonna really wanna have that community connection. But I don't know, technology, look what we're doing right now. Yeah. It really does. Um, it does also, you know, take down some barriers. We've had some real success with reaching new audiences online during this time. So that's kind of cool. So people who maybe wouldn't have been a patron of the library have become one because they can access it from their desk. Absolutely. People who, I mean, people who may have social inhibitions, who are nervous about being around other folks. We've had anecdotes about that, feeling much more comfortable, um, specifically in some of our English language conversation uh, sessions. Um, People whose jobs maybe don't allow them to come to story time at 10 a.m. with their child. Now we have YouTube story time five days a week in multiple languages. So you can still participate at, you know, bedtime with your child. And it really just, those are just two examples of barriers that are removed by forcing people to come to a location at a very specific time. I love those examples, Michelle, because they're so creative in their own way. And so um, for lack of a better way to say it, so connecting, you know, for people. That's really cool. So I'm, I'm, I want to flip it for a second. What challenges have you faced and how have you overcome them? 
I think, you know, in thinking about the biggest challenge, I was a little worried to bring this up because probably everybody's been bringing it up. But, you know, the last couple of years have been tough and we're, we're a very public organization. We're a very complex organization. Um, so leading through that has been, I would say, the biggest challenge definitely of my career. Um, but I'm a very positive person and I love teamwork. I love collaboration. So I've really had to be a lot more present for my executive team over the last few years. Um, and really get down and help with sort of the day-to-day challenges that they were facing related to the, the various crises that came our way. But what I'm really proud about is that we kept our eye on the prize. We knew that we needed to be coming out of this stronger and that we had already planned to roll out a new strategic roadmap that we've been working on. And we did, we did it in the pandemic. Um, we set the course for where we wanted the organization to go, no matter what was happening in the day-to-day. And we really didn't let the daily grind get the best of us. So I, I'm really proud of that. And I think that the whole team contributed in, in ways that we've already kind of spoken about, um, improving service while doing the daily work in these very different ways during this crazy time that we've been living through. So I feel really good about that, but it, but it hasn't been a lot of fun to be honest. <laughs> well, let's dig into it a little bit. So I'm really glad that actually that you brought it up because I think for so many of us, that's been one of the biggest challenges and whether you've got a, you know, senior director title or your junior, you're trying to lead other people and, I love the way you said about not letting the daily grind get in and still staying, you know, still kind of achieving the vision and the things you want to achieve. Um, But it's so hard and we're all dealing with still dealing with so much, you know, regardless of where we are on the kind of spectrum of any of it. Um, So I just, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you guys as a team stayed on course and didn't let the the those outside, I can like visualize them as arrows just coming in all the time, you know, it's like pew, pew, pew all the time. How, how you did that? Because I think there's a lot of people, like I said, out there who are thinking, I need more of that. And even more so right now where the stress is still there, but underlying, but still has a big impact. I think it's easy to get bogged down and not make space and time in your schedule for the future thinking and the strategic work. Um, But if you have the vision and you're, and for us, we do a lot of work around our values that actually helps you with the decisions that you're having to make in the daily. Um, we have a, a two of our values are equity and stewardship. And we kept saying over and over again during the last couple of years, that's where we have to put our focus. How do we make sure that we're delivering on our promise of being an equitable organization, both for staff and for our community? And then with tightening dollars and such huge need out there, stewardship just became even more of a guiding light for us. Um, so I think that's sort of at the high level, at the, um, I don't know, a little bit more granular level to answer your question, kind of goes to some of the innovation styles that I was introduced to by the assessment that I took. Um, I am very much into collaboration and so rely on teams at all levels to help us 
figure out where we're going. And so to kind of flesh out the rest of our strategic roadmap, at the beginning of the pandemic, we had mission, vision, values. Well, that was great. It helped us, like I said, kind of keep knowing where we were going. But coming out of that, now we have strategic themes, we have objectives. And that was all the work of teams that um, came together around the five values that we have. And people were, you know, came from all over the organization. They raised their hands, they volunteered to do it. And they came up with all these recommendations um, for us to consider. And so, I don't know, I think teamwork and sort of that guiding light is how, how we kept our our eye looking toward the future. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on With Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. When you say strategic themes, I don't want to, I don't let, I don't like to be assumptive. I, I have an idea of what that means, but will you share a little bit about what you mean by that and then how you use them since that kind of, you pointed that out as a differentiator and kind of, you know, mission, vision, values, check, but that, that kind of helped move you forward. Yeah. So out of, I think staff came up with 84 recommendations um, for us to consider And we bucketed those into three major themes. So space and place. How do we make sure that our spaces, whether they're online or our traditional physical spaces, are welcoming and inviting to people? Another theme was around access and enrichment. 
how about the programs, the services, the collections, the outreach that we do, because we're also out in the community, not just waiting for people to come to us. And then the last uh, theme is around culture and organizational health. So that's really an internal look um, to make sure uh, we have five objectives under there that have to do with aligning resources and leading with race and things like that. So I, I really appreciate those because I when I hear you say that, it becomes very, from my perspective, very clear on where you focus, how you get energized as an employee, but also how you innovate against that. Like, I, I get it. I can look at those and go, okay, I know what to do. And I think oftentimes when there's a lot of pressure in the world um, or in our jobs, it's very easy to, you remember those old sticky hands that you throw against the wall and you're like, hope it sticks. Right. It's very easy to do that with work because when you don't know what to do, you just throw it all against the wall. Right. And so when you talk about those, I hear, ooh, like that is a great playground or a sandbox for me to get into, to get excited about and to innovate against too. Did you find that? Absolutely. And we're hoping that, you know, we've just started rolling this out. So now it needs to go to the team level so that all teams can figure out, okay, how do I contribute to this? And then ultimately, eventually, we want to get it all the way down to the individual contributor level. Like, how do I contribute to these objectives um, in this year? Yeah, I really like that. So my challenge to ever, all the everyday innovators out there listening is to figure out, I'm going to say one to three. I feel like five is too many. So maybe one to three themes like Michelle's talking about that will help you and the teams and the people that you lead or the business that you own actually have a guidepost to move forward. Because that's what I hear from those like, oh, that that's going to help me. So now it kind of makes sense. I can see why when you were talking earlier about some of those different innovations that you've done as libraries, they, like they connect directly to those. It makes a lot of sense. I just want to share for the audience what your everyday innovator style is because you alluded to it and it sounds like you really leverage it in your work. So you're a collaborative tweaker. And that means for everyone listening, that collaborative is all about teams because it's pulling disparate people and ideas and experiences together to create these intersections where innovation happen. It's really quite incredible. You also tend to be very magnetic because, and you get buy-in from people because you, because you're collaborative and are like getting all the voices on the table. And then the tweaker side is all about optimizing. It's like, it's never success or failure. It's, you know, if I just have this one little edit, this one little adjustment, um, I always love it when I meet people who have tweaker in them, because no matter what we're doing, they're like still working on it by the time, like I'm done. And they're still like, if I just make one little adjustment, I can make this work. But it's a really powerful combination because what it means is that you bring a whole optimized innovation to the table. Um, so I think it's really cool. And I can hear it when you're talking about how you built the stuff, how you pulled it together, how you get buy-in, how you just kind of kept evolving the how inside the libraries and inside the system. Um, and it's very cool to see. Thank you. Thank you. And actually, I loved reading about it because it made sense to me based on some other assessments that I've done. Um, so I think it's a really good model. I just naturally like to be with other people and bring them into, into a conversation and allow them the opportunity to, to work together. Um, and so I feel like maybe our conversation is leading you and the audience to think that I was the, the mastermind behind how we got this roadmap. It was, it was other folks who, who have way more structure in their minds than I do. I'm more conceptual. Um, so it does. It takes a village. You know what? It, it really does. And like one of my, this is a conversation for another time, but one of my favorite things is when t 
team sign up to take the assessment because there's all these different styles. And to your point, right, there's different types of people and everybody innovates a little bit differently and you can bring it all to the table and strengthen everything moving forward. Um, I'm curious, as a collaborative tweaker, what advice do you have for other everyday innovators out there of all different types who are looking to, I think, do what you've so beautifully done and your team has so beautifully done, which is really not just evolve with the times and play catch up, but really be proactive about it. At least that's what I'm hearing from you. What I'm not hearing is, oh my God, we had to catch up. What I'm hearing is like, we are on the head edge of this wave, riding it, but also leading it as well. So what advice do you have for others to lead through all that uncertainty too? I think it's probably the same advice I give to anybody with, with any innovation style. It's really to know yourself. That's why I love these kinds of assessments. Um, in order to capitalize on your own strengths, it's such a gift to actually understand them. Um, and so learning about yourself, learning about your teammates, and then if you are in a position to build a team to really leverage the strengths of others, I think, you know, we so often gravitate toward people that are very similar to us um, because we like ourselves more or less. <laughs> Hopefully. But, you know, learning to fill in around you for strengths um, that you don't have. And to also try not to, to be somebody you're not. I think that takes some maturity in our professional lives to get there. But, you know, spending time trying to be somebody you're not is exhausting. And if you are, uh, you know, a very, uh, if you have a lot of perseverance, I guess, I think you can do that. You can act in ways that aren't innately you, but you're going to be drained. Um, so, Find other people to help you fill in those gaps would be my biggest advice. Love that you said it's exhausting to try to be like other people. And I'll just tell you early on in my career, I thought you had to look and be a certain way. I was in advertising, brand strategy, innovation, corporate world. And so I had my Ann Taylor three-piece suit, you know, matching scrunchy and like I you know had to be able but that's not me obviously and but but it took me a long time to really figure that out and it just a weight lifted when I was like I don't need to be that person I'm not that person and that's good for them right great for them but not for me um I want to ask you a side question on this because I suspect you're really good at it and you had said you know surround yourself with people who are not like you it's kind of just to paraphrase how do you think about or manage the friction or the um sometimes disagreement, which is not a bad thing necessarily, but it comes up, right? When you've got people around you who are different perspectives, opinions, experiences, how do you think about either managing that or harnessing it for the better? Yeah, I think you have to go into the conversation with that positive attitude around trying to harness it for the better and creating safe places for people to bring up challenges and disagreements. Um, I'm not saying that we're really, really good at that, but we're striving to be, to be better at that. Um, and to, I think I'm in a profession that is a bit conflict, um, resistant. And so that's a, those are muscles that I think as an organization, we are honestly still learning to flex. Um, but it does start with role modeling and being open to being challenged and hearing and asking for alternative opinions. I really appreciate you just said that because I think a lot of leaders say, 
I want you, I want your opinion, right? I want you. And then the minute you do it, they shut it down. And it is so important to actually, I guess, walk the talk or kind of, you know, be the change be the change you want to be all those cliche phrases, but you know what I mean of actually being open to that, because if you're open to it, chances are the other people around you are going to start doing it if they weren't already. Yeah. I think that's so true. Michelle, this has been absolutely fantastic. I can't believe we're kind of coming up to time. So my last question for you is a little bit more personal. What's one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you? I have been getting together with my girlfriends almost every Monday night for over 20 years to make mosaics. What? Yes. Yes. That's Little amazing. ceramic tiles. <laughs> okay. But I, here's my question. In all truth, how do you find that time? Well, I make the time. My calendar says that Monday evenings are sacred and my Good people who work on schedule are not supposed to put things there unless there's a city council meeting I need to go to. Um, that's my time. I love it. I I'm inspired right there to be a little bit better about carving out some space for the things I'd like to do beyond work. So Michelle, thank you so much for joining me. As I, like I was saying in the very beginning, I have a huge place in my heart for libraries. I think they serve a very important purpose in our communities. Um, and I love seeing all the innovation coming out of it. So thank you for coming and sharing that with us. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.